All right, so this is Trent Russell. I'm the host of the Audit Podcast and founder of Green Skies Analytics, where we do all things analytics for all things internal audit. Um, and this is the audit room on Clubhouse. We are here every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago time. Um, and up on the stage today, we have Miss Tracy. You want to introduce yourself? Yes, thanks, Trent. So I'm Tracy Marquardt, known as Europe's leading audit communication consultant. And I like to help internal auditors be even better at their jobs and get better results um, than they do today by helping them with their communication, leadership, and what ends up as productivity um, increasing and enhancing their skills um, each and every day as they work throughout um, all the different uh, uh, slices of the audit process. So that's me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. All right, we'll set the room real quick and then kind of go over what we're talking about today. So if you look in the bottom right hand corner, you'll see a hand with it with it being raised. And if you push that, it will bring you up onto the stage where you can ask a question or give a comment. Um, and today we are questioning the audit profession. And really what these are, are a few of my favorite questions. I've become kind of a collector of questions over the past year as I've um, done the podcast. And so these are some that I use before we actually do the interview that is published and the people here will do some of these questions just to get an idea for topics that the, the guests might want to hit on. And so I just want to hit on some of those today. And Tracy, I'll throw it to you and then I'll, I'll chime in a little bit also. What do you wish everybody understood about your job and what you do? such an interesting question. What do I wish everybody understood about my job and what I do? So I don't look at what I do as actually a job because I've started my own business and I've been teaching, training, coaching, consulting, internal audit profession since 2005. So I basically breathe, live, eat internal audit communication skills each and every day. And it's, um, Communication, I think, is how we can actually change the world. So it goes even beyond audit. I think we can change the world to positive communication. And I happen to bring that to the internal audit profession because I was an internal auditor and an external auditor, and I'm a CPA, and I know the stakeholders and the pain points and the results that audit is trying to get. And so I think I come from this kind of you know, training and consulting from a different perspective than, you know, five years ago, somebody wanting to teach audit communication skills would have. So, yeah, it's it's a calling, to be honest. That's that's what I would like everyone to understand. And here's a follow-up question to put you on the spot. Were you, did, was there like a, a event or something that happened where you went, communication, that's what it's all about? Or is it just kind of naturally part of kind of who you are or how did how did communication become the thing also a very good question so i would say my journey with communication started 25 years ago i was young and i took a course called tdf and it's on the lenses through which we perceive life and make decisions and how we process information. And I had always, I think, not been the most 
empathetic person in the world because I always knew the way fastest way from A to B or even from A to Z. So um, that's the path I took. And what can happen is that you end up hurting or stepping on toes and it's never intentional. It's just, it's the lens that I, I look through life on. And so what I spent, once I took that course, the most valuable course I ever took in my life, I spent, you know, the next 25 years uh, working on my people skills and my communication skills and learning how to engage my empathy gene a little bit more to make sure that I'm listening and I'm asking questions and I'm engaging and I'm present in the moment and not letting all the other million things I have to do interfere with this particular, you know, conversation or communication interaction that I'm having. So I think that's where it started. And then I worked for a company for nine years and basically ended up twisting myself in a pretzel every time I said, Tracy, you want me to do it this way, Tracy, do it that way, Tracy, you're not doing it right, Tracy, you know, you're not listening. And I thought, I am listening, I keep trying to change. And so I thought, you know, the communication was so poor that I decided that the relationship wasn't serving me anymore. And so I left and started my own business. I think my communication skills are improved because I'm doing okay and I'm loving it. And I, you know, trained over 4,000 people and I tend to, to not get too much, too many complaints. So, so yeah, it's just communication makes the world go round. We can't accomplish anything on our own. We need other people and therefore we need to, to listen and to ask questions. So that's a long winded story, Trent. I hope that answers your question. Perfect. And it was a great answer um, and was not surprised how, how good it was considering you are the communications person. And I know just in some of the one-on-one -on -one conversations that we've had, I've walked away going, that was a good, like, it was just a good conversation. And so I think that that does speak to it. I don't think my answer is quite as profound as yours, but I do wish that everybody understood, at least with analytics, uh, especially an audit is, I was talking to someone, this is a couple of weeks ago. And they said, yeah, we did this whole analysis and that, you know, of course the data wasn't clean and we had to scrub it and make it clean and make it work. And then we did this big comparison and we didn't find anything. And I said, yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's like, we still provide assurance. So even when we use analytics and quote, don't find anything, that's still really good. And something that we should be telling folks, um, your clients or, or however you want to refer to them is, hey, we did this analysis, we checked, you know, 10,000 of these things, and we didn't find anything, that's a good thing. And so I wish that but people kind of understood that a little bit more, and that analytics isn't about finding fraud. Um, I think that's what we can kind of tend to, to think that's what it is to validate the what we're doing and say, look, we found something, I think it kind of goes back to the the auditors and we have to find something um, mindset. But if there was if there was something that I wish more people understood, it was that even when you don't find anything, that's still a really good thing um, in what we do. Um, um, so can I ask you a follow up on that? Yep. So does that go to then more of um, giving assurance? Right. As opposed to finding something wrong, you're giving assurance that there isn't anything significant going exactly. wrong. Exactly. And that's one of the you know primary things that we do is provide assurance. And so that's why I try to try to tell people it's okay not to find anything. It's a good thing when we don't find anything. They want to know that we didn't find anything. So we have 
that there's there's not great segues here today. <laughs> so, like I said, just some of my favorite questions. Uh, so I'm going to jump into the next one. When you, Tracy, first started training auditors, what's something that was more challenging than you expected? I think, I, I guess there were two things. If I, if I go deep inside, you know, I think the one was the, the courage that it would take to step in front of a room full of people. I think the first year was, was tough because, you know, where, where we come from, from North America, we do on the job training. It's not like you go to a school and somebody teaches you how to teach other people necessarily. Um, so the, I remember the first time I did an audit report writing workshop was in 2005. It was in a town called Wetzlar, Germany. And I had 12 audit professionals in front of me and I was terrified. I don't think I slept the night before because um, it was like being on the big stage for the first time. I had new feeling when I did hit the, the big stage for the first time, giving a presentation at a conference. But um, so I think it's having the courage to step up and step in and be the expert, because a lot of times we don't step into our expertise or women in particular don't step into their expertise. Um, and then I think the other thing was the challenge, the language challenges because of working with so many different cultures and everyone understands a different word in English differently. So the most controversial word in all of my training is the word should, because in some cultures, the word should is, well, it's optional. If you want to implement, go for it. And, uh, and in other cultures should means there is an expectation that it will be done. So, you know, and the second one is must because must is too hard or must means you have to do it. So it was really an eye opener. And uh, that was the first controversy I faced in 2005 in that workshop. And I still face it today, but I'm more prepared than I was then. So there you go. That's my answer. Hey, I like those two examples. So I had not thought about that. Just the kind of language barrier. I'll, I want your opinion on this also. So this is something I, I got into the training piece. Um, I don't know, about a year ago. I had done some, I, you know, I did a one hour session and after that, I was like, I, I can't do more than one hour. And so I said, Hey, we do two. And I said, okay, I'll do two, but I can't not do more than two. And then somebody said, Hey, we do four. And I said, four is the max. There's no, and then eventually somebody said, we do eight, eight hours. And so I did. And what I did not realize was how exhausting it could be to have to talk that long. <laughs> I mean, physically, physically, yeah, physically exhausting um and so the first one i did that was eight hours was through zoom and so that was somewhat fortunate in, in that and because at the end of the the first four hours i just laid down on the couch like I, I felt like i ran a marathon and to see folks tracy like yourself and others that do this more routinely uh the training piece you know i, I remember i would look at the the stage and go i didn't really look at it that hard like you just you get to travel that's nice and you get to, um, you know, you do the same kind of speech. And so that can't be that hard. And then, no, it is it is very, very difficult, much more than it looks and, and exhausting. I was told it's more exhausting through Zoom than it is through or remote than it is in person. And I think the most in person I did was four hours and don't remember being that tired. But is that is that true, Tracy? Is, have you seen it like that also? 
I, I mean, congratulations for working yourself up to eight hours, first of all. And the, the, the first thought that came to mind is it's the energy you bring is that the energy they give you. So if you show that exhaustion, they, they will interact less, they will get more quiet, you know, and it will take the whole room down. So the, I think that's the thing, uh, maybe a difference for me between online training and training in person. Training in person, I'm walking around the room, I'm doing a little song and dance, I'm acting a couple things out, I can use my whole body, and uh, it helps everyone stay engaged, whereas on Zoom, it's really, it comes from inside. Has, it comes from the, the energy and and the drive comes from inside and the caffeine. <laughs> so I think you're right on. This might lend itself to that question. Then, how do you get yourself out of work slumps? So if you have exhaustion like that, how do you get yourself out of that slump? Okay, so for me, there are a few things that I do. So I have, I am a firewalker. I have taken the the four-day Unleash the Power Within Tony Robbins live um, seminar in London, and I walked the hot coals. And really, it's so, so empowering. And if, if you had told me I would have been one of those people jumping up and down and screaming hmm. to music that I would never choose to play on my own, <laughs> I would have told you you're crazy. But it took about half a second for that to, to happen when I was there. And what you learn, um, if you study some of his stuff enough, because it has a lot to do with, um, you know, neurobiology and how the brain works. And, and it's, it's, you know, he has this triad and it's, it's language and it's physiology and it's focus. Where focus goes, energy flows. And um, it's all about how you sit and how you hold yourself. If you're uh, a depressed, unhappy person, you slump forward and your voice is low and it's not very interesting. But if you're a positive person and you've got that energy and you focus on it, then you sit up and you can hear it in your voice and the other people in the room can hear it in your voice. So, um, and then the other is language. So, it, and just a quick example, if you don't mind, it's like when you're walking down the street and someone's staring at you and you can think, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Why are they staring at me? Or you can, I, I can walk down the street and go, hey, he thinks I'm hot. Mm. You know, it's all about the story that I put in my head um, that helps me stay in a positive, uh, energetic state. So for myself personally, I play uh, specific songs to get my energy up and dance around the room. So like before I did my presentation at, uh, in Florida at the GRC conference in 2019, I gave them my iPod and they played Macklemore to a room of 350. <laughs> Right, because I knew that despite all those people, I had to get myself in state. So I'm kind of semi bouncing, bouncing around at the at the, the bottom stairs to the stage, you know, kind of waiting waiting to go on. So I use music, and I use um, I have a, a trampoline. I call it a rebounder, and I do uh, light bouncing on that, and I also do kind of energetic more exercise type things on it only for 10 minutes max and that gets your energy up to or go for a walk so those are those are the three things that i rely on the most especially in these times of COVID. what about you how do you keep your energy up yeah music is one and what i thought was interesting when you said that is <laughs> if i played my playlist like it gets nobody up but me and i don't know why but like the high falsetto um singing is what i'd like to do like i'm not good at it at all but it's just fun to me so 
Um, Are you going to do that here for us? Do I? No, not even a little bit. Um, but like even so, for whatever reason, oh, oh, there's a, a Bee Gees documentary that was on, I don't know, a couple months ago. And I watched it and I go, oh, I didn't know they sang that. I didn't know they sang that. And then they said that. And so, of course, like I, I made a playlist. And that is, if you're familiar, they are very high pitched. Um, not something that you would see probably at a Tony Robbins event. You know, it's not super high energy. But that's what right now, that's like kind of what gets me going. Um, I think it's just whatever documentary is on. <laughs> so when the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody came out, I know it wasn't documentary, but when that came out, like it was just Queen all summer. And for the past six weeks, it's just been the Bee Gees. Well, you know, I grew up on the Bee Gees because my mom comes from the Olivia Newton-John mm-hmm. Bee Gees type era. So yeah, I, I love that stuff. The night's on uh, lights on Broadway and all those kinds of songs are, are really good. And um, you couldn't pick a better band than Queen. Have you seen the um, the musical? I have not. That was worth it. I did that in London, so that was that was really incredible. So yeah, if it comes to town or I'm near it, I will definitely check that out. Um, you can sing and nobody will hear you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I don't walk as much as I like walk around in a circle outside like a crazy person like I'm sure my neighbors think I'm a psychopath because I just stare at the ground and then just walk kind of wherever the weight of my legs take me um, as a way to take a break especially when you know it's summer here and so when it's really the hotter the better for me for whatever reason but that I just I'll do that and that helps kind of clear my head um, if it's too cold, I, and I was talking about this on, I think, LinkedIn a couple weeks ago, uh, because we have a, a toddler, there's balloons in our house. And so I'll just walk up and down the hallway if it's too cold and just kind of kick a balloon, very lazily kick a balloon. And I'm not in front of a screen. I don't have my phone. And it's just a way to kind of clear my head and, and let the thoughts kind of come instead of um, really being in front of a screen. I think just taking a screen break is, is is really good for me. Hey, so I invited Elisa if she wants to come and speak. Um, Julie, you're welcome to as well, but just to know we are recording and we can turn off the recording if you do want to come up and join us in the conversation and don't want to be recorded. Yeah, I think everybody has their their, their thing that gets them out of a slump, but everybody's uh, a little bit different. So if you guys want to come up, feel free to do that. Um, but I'm going to jump into, there you go. Okay, Julie. Julie, do you want to give like a, uh, maybe a 10, 30 second intro and then ask your question or your comment? I'm Julie Thompson and I am the founder of the Auditing Alliance, which is, the mission is to enhance the profession of environmental health and safety, auditing and management. And of course, EHS is turning into ESG. So that's where I'm headed. What, what is ESG, Julie? It is environment, social, and governance. Okay, thanks. So the environment in EHS, environment, health, and safety, the E is a perfect match. The social uh, would incorporate typically the, the health and safety side, but again, some of that crosses over with environment. And then the governance is the equivalent of management systems. Yeah, and it's actually a topic, Julie, I sent you an email about the other day. Someone was looking yes. for an, an ESG speaker. Um, and you and I had just talked ESG, I don't know, I think the week before. So it's, it's still fairly new to me, too. 
Yes, it turns out it's been around for a while, kind of creeping in there, uh, but it has become very much the, the topic of the day now. I mean, Wall Street's paying attention to it as well as auditing. So that will be, so I think what you're, well, you're already seeing corporate social responsibility is part of that. So that's going to be more of like the governance side. So some of the terminology is changing, but to be honest, for the most part, it's the, uh, I, I don't know if I'd say exactly the same old thing. It's close to that, but it's probably being enhanced with more uh, quantifiable measures than we've had before, at least in an attempt to go in that direction. Well, it's good to know we have people like you uh, educating us and, and taking care of us on EHS and the G's and the S's and, and everything else. Was there? <laughs> well, I'm glad to do it. That's my area that, I, as you know, I've been passionate about for a couple decades now, and that's certainly not the direction I thought my career would go. So, but anyway, I wanted to get back to the, the conversation that you guys are having. And oh boy, it is it is admirable, Trent, that you've been able to kind of work up to the eight hours I've been doing presenting for a long time. And I will say, I find the virtual world much more challenging. And when I do longer presentations, or if I have multiple presentations in the day, I do have to make sure I get up and get away from the screen in between to keep my energy up. And I think you guys have some better suggestions and ways that you, you deal with the energy level. I, a lot of times feel like all I'm doing is running on adrenaline. I just know I have to exude energy no matter how tired I am or where I'd rather be at the time. So I don't know if you ever feel that way yourselves, but that was the only thing I wanted. Yeah, I think that I had, I did a two day and had bronchitis, undiagnosed bronchitis that hit on day two. Uh, and that one was, was pretty rough, but there's this, I can't remember where I heard this. It might've been on a, a standup. And so that's one of the other things I also do is uh, I listen to a lot of standup comedy to, I mean, if you're laughing, it's hard, you know, to be in a slump and laugh at the same time. I don't think that's even possible. So um, they're talking about when you get on stage, even if you're sick that, and I forget the, the, entertainment term for it but it just kind of goes away and so that's what this comedian was talking about is he was like I don't know probably hungover um, but he was sick he said and he said when he, you know he gets on stage it just kind of goes away I think that's kind of what you're talking about too Julie. Tracy did you have something? Um, I, I did uh, I, I wanted to talk about the adrenaline thing because that only goes so far to be honest because I there there are weeks where I think um I'm a breath away from burnout and that happened this spring and I just had to shut down for the weekend, like literally shut down everything because I was actually a little bit frightened because I, I push myself pretty hard, not all the time, but there are periods when I push myself all the time. And, um, I'm used to working through like, 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 I think it was you Trent said you'd had, which was it? Bronchitis. Bronchitis. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I have fallen downstairs and taught. I have had um, a foot infection that is a day away from get, um, getting blood poisoning and I've got my foot up and I'm teaching. So, you know, it's just, I, at least I think I'm getting smarter um, as I get older and taking better care of myself. And it's no more, you know, whiskey and cigarettes. It's the walk around the block and <laughs> jumping around to music. So this is a much better thing. But I wanted to come back to the laughter if I can. Have you heard of the laughter guru? I've not. The Guru is brilliant, and you can find um, him on Facebook. You can find YouTube videos, and he and, and actually Tony Robbins brings him in as well. 
and he has a room full of 5,000 people laughing. And it's an amazing thing to watch, just the, the energy. And you cannot stay down when you're laughing. So it's a brilliant thing. So yeah. good on you for that. Yeah, I, will, I made a note of that. I'll definitely check that out. Uh, we've got just a few minutes. I did want to get this question out. It's, it's a, a favorite of mine that I've been asking recently. And, and Julie, feel free to jump in if you'd like. Um, where do you self-educate? Well, I will jump in there. So I do, and I find, I'm finding now in the virtual world that we are in, I'm probably doing more self-education than I have done in many, many years. So I look for opportunities all over the place, including listening in today. I've taken several notes of things that I know will be, be helpful, and this is educational for me. But I like recently completed a certificate in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is another hot topic. And uh, that's one where I, you know, I had to listen to videos or watch videos for you know a total of 14 hours. So I look there, I read, I try, I need to read more. I, that's the one thing I think that I'm lacking is my reading time. Uh, I do watch, or I used to watch like the news to try and keep up with current events, but of late, it's been so depressing. I'm not watching as much news anymore, but I look for any opportunity conversations with people. Uh, I went to buy tires the other day and ended up having a conversation about generators versus solar panels as a backup energy source. So I, I look just about everywhere for self-education. Yeah, and I'm glad you said the what through communication or asking questions or conversations like you're talking about. That's where I get most of mine is is asking these types of questions to other folks that um, you know I have no shame in admitting are, are smarter than I am. I always like to surround myself with people that are smarter than I am, and so being able to ask those folks, such as uh, you, Tracy, and Julie, these types of questions is where I learn a ton. And I do find a lot of folks that are willing to be interviewed or be asked questions like that are also avid book readers or at least book readers. And so one of my questions, and maybe we'll, we'll do this one some other time, is just to ask, you know, what, what book someone's reading or I'll see, you know, a bunch of books on the bookshelf behind them and just say, you know, recommend a book to me. What Recommend one book. You've clearly read a lot of books. Recommend one. Um, and it usually means I've got, I think I have four in the queue right now that I just kind of rotate in between. Uh, so it takes me about six months to actually finish any given book. Um, but that's, yeah, I think that's where I get a lot of my self-education. Tracy, did you have anything? Uh, for me, I, I don't take so many, I don't enroll in so many courses per se. So I did a lot of agile learning, um, in the last three years. I would say, but other than that, it's a, it is talking to people, um, sitting in on webinars, and and I think the important thing is that you can take away one great nugget from everything. It's like Julie said; she's written down a couple of things from today. I think that's fabulous. Um, I've learned something from Julie on what ESG is, and I learn from Trent all the time on data analytics. Data analytics scares the heck out of me, but I realize that even though I'm a communication, you know, leadership trainer, coach, consultant, I have to know about the data analytics. So it's, I love the crossover and I love how we're all sharing knowledge. I think it's absolutely brilliant. 
Well, I think the, you, you might be interested and we'll kind of, we'll close it out. Um, in July, I'm doing a uh, webinar, one hour. It's on using data and visualizations to communicate and how we can do that. Kind of the classic, a picture's worth a thousand words kind of thing. And so that might be, uh, Tracy, that might be something that, that you're interested in. I'll kind of close this out and then, and then I'll throw it to you. Um, and we have Elisa who just popped up. Maybe she can say something before we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. I, I enjoyed the listening part of, of this, the first time joining this uh, this, this clubhouse. Um, I, I, I'm based in the Netherlands and I work for a FinTech internal audit. I'm a relatively young auditor who like to question the profession in a lot of ways and the way things are being done. And especially well after Corona and, and working from home so much, I realized that there is so much, there is a, a lot of need for communication in the in the profession and 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 yeah i mean the, the traditional old style type of auditors um got a, a big challenge have them especially working uh with with zoom and, and not face to face anymore um in the last year so yeah that's what interested me about this uh, this topic thank you very much for coming up and saying that it's uh it is a fantastic topic and it's something just even sending like a, a one minute video on how to do something as opposed to sending an email that would take me forever to write anyway. Um, just communicating more effectively using tech that's been around forever um, is something I've, I've found very, very useful, especially, like I said, the, the 60 second, hey, can you go in and do this and this and this and this and this? All right, thanks. Instead of an email with screenshots and all that kind of uh, ways of communicating. And I think some of that was kind of forced because of COVID. So uh, one of those things where, you know, there's some positive that came out of out of the whole deal. Um, all right, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, uh, Julie and Elisa for coming up. We hope to see you guys next week, uh, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago. My name is Trent Russell. I'm the co-host of the Audit Room here on Clubhouse and host of the Audit Podcast and founder of Green Skies Analytics. Tracy, you want to take us out? Yeah, I just want to say um, thank you, ladies, for joining us. And let's make sure we're all connected on LinkedIn. And I'm known as Europe's leading audit communication consultant. And I will have a uh, open webinar in July. I'm taking June off. I just did my CAE mastermind last week, which was fabulously successful it was a super super experience to have that caliber on the call uh, but july we're going back to sharing some communication strategies for um just for everyone uh, to use so hopefully i'll see you ladies again and trent i'll see you next week we have if i can just say dirk talheimer is on next week he is a client of mine and i've known him for years and years and years he's now head of audit and it's called lighting a spark of change in audit and he's doing brilliant things with this new team and i hope you can join us sounds great thanks everyone